This is For Your Mental Health Podcast. Doors open on the left at For Your Mental Health Podcast. Welcome back to the For Your Mental Health Podcast. I'm Vince. And I'm Sharice. And we're coming to you from Chicago. What's going on, Sharice? Oh, nothing really. I'm still unemployed, in case anyone's wondering. Okay. No I'm one's wondering. Gonna, I'm not going to fight you on that this week. <laughs> no one's wondering. Um... I want to just start off with recommendations today because I just watched a really great movie last night. It was on Netflix. You can watch it on Netflix. I think it's a Netflix original, actually. Yeah, it's a Netflix original. Um, It's called Napoli Ever After. And what's funny is someone at my job requested, well, not requested, but they suggested that I watch it. So I was like, eh, I don't know. And then I was like, wait, that's the movie with Sanaa Lathan. And he was like, yeah. And then I was questioning even more, like, you watch this movie? Because if you look at him, he's like a big, like, muscular guy. There's a lot of things about him that's just so funny. That's irrelevant. Like, (laughs) it's like the whole don't judge a book by its cover because he absolutely loves things that I wouldn't expect him to love. So he's, like, super entertaining to talk to. But... Napoli Ever After on Netflix, starring Sanaa Lathan and some other people that I don't know. Oh, wait, no. Her mom is pretty prominent, too. Her mom is played by Lynn Whitfield. And I feel like she's been in every good movie I can think of growing up. Halle Berry's also in it. Yeah, I don't recall Halle Berry being in the movie at all. Like, she's on the cast list, but I don't remember that bitch being in the movie like Halle Berry was not in that movie. I don't know. <laughs> she is, but the main character is not Lathan, and now I'm gonna have to rewatch it. I really do not remember Halle Berry being in that movie. But Lynn Whitfield from Greenleaf, A Thin Line Between Love and Hate, um, Eve's Bayou. She's just been in a lot of great movies growing up, in my opinion, anyway. This one is no different. So basically. Sanaa Lathan's character, Violet, in the movie is basically just supposed to be perfect, right? Like, (laughs) it's kind of funny because it reminds me of things that I used to do, like, in college where she would always make sure, like, her makeup was perfect or her and her boyfriend would be, like, sleeping in the same bed, but she would wake up early to straighten her hair and put on makeup and then lay back down next to him. Like, she just woke up looking like that. And I'm like, that is so funny. Because I had a roommate in college who would literally do that. Literally. I'd be like, girl, you've been with this man for six years. He knows by now what you look like on an off day. You don't have to put on makeup before he wakes up and then she would always talk about how she would my roommate not the movie how she would uh brush her teeth and floss and use uh mouthwash and then lay back down like she just woke up with fresh minty breath i'm like girl he don't believe that rebecca are you taking notes (laughs) (laughs) i'm like girl no one's gonna believe that but um so basically she just has this strong belief that Her boyfriend's going to propose to her, so she wants to, she calls her mom in early that morning. Her mom comes in at like 5 a.m. to straighten her hair so she can pretend like she woke up like that. And then they they did it, okay, they had sex, right? And he kept trying to touch her hair. (laughs) 
You just got to see it because the scene is funny to me. It's probably relatable to a lot of people. It's like, no, don't touch my hair. I don't want it to sweat out. This is a fresh press. But she's going on about her day, and she's preparing herself for that evening because she just knows she's going to get proposed to. And she ends up walking into these kids playing with a water hose, and it fucks up her hair. So she goes to a salon that's not her normal one because she can't get into it. And some little girl was acting up. Her dad owned the salon, and magically, somehow, a relaxer ended up in Violet's hair. So they're washing out what they think is shampoo, and all her hair is coming out in the sink. So she basically goes through this identity crisis where she goes through from being having long, beautiful hair, and then she's wearing a weave, and then she dyes her hair blonde, and then she just shaves that shit off all in the span of a week. And. It's just an emotional roller coaster. The movie is not about hair, but it, it just sends a message about how like identity and perception and like how you feel about yourself and your level of confidence. Because it literally took for someone who thought she had cancer sharing their story about them having cancer to be like, she was like, oh, I'm sorry, you misunderstood me. I shaved my head because I broke up with my boyfriend. Um, <laughs> I'm not sick. Sorry. <laughs> my apologies. And the woman was like, well, people are going to think you're sick walking around looking like that. If you're going to be bald, you need to own it. So, and that just completely changed her perception and her attitude about herself and her confidence in talking to other people. It's a really good movie. Mm. I would watch it again. Nice. And I never rate things on Netflix, but I rated that one a thumbs up because I'm like, send me more of this. Send this my way. Dope. Dope. Mm -hmm. But the lingering question in my mind is... <laughs> Who is Halle Berry? <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> Halle Berry was not in that movie. <laughs> like, she wasn't one of her best friends. She wasn't a family member. Somebody lied on the internet. <laughs> Halle Berry is not in that movie. I don't know. She's not in it. But you know what else? This isn't a recommendation. It's just an observation. Like, this is that magical time of the year where all of your shows come back on. So Law & Order SVU started last week. No, no, no. I think you're confused. The uh, prosecuting uh, attorney from Arizona, although she was a specialized prosecutor in special victims cases, that was not a new season of Law & Order SVU. That was the Kavanaugh confirmation. <laughs> no. That's not funny. Um, no. <laughs> oh. What else? The Walking Dead is also back on. Star, Empire, 911, The Resident, Grey's Anatomy, anything Shondaland. You know, the list goes on and on and on. So it's just a good time of year to ignore people and save some money by sitting in your house and like binge watching everything that you missed while you were at work. Or too tired to watch during the week. Right. Or, or, and or, it, it is also a good time to be outside because it's like sweater weather, you know? So you can just uh, hop around in your new favorite fall jacket and sweater and cardigan. <laughs> is that what you did today? And was, I frolicked, <laughs> frolicked around. Now, it was actually cold. I, it was, I thought it was just sweater weather. So I wore a sweater to work, but then I had this new jacket, too, which I ended up having to have. 
Like it was cold as fuck. It was like fifty two yeah, degrees at the end of the day today. I don't understand the dramatic change in weather. I mean it's expected, but it's unexpected to me every time it happens. Yeah. I know it's coming, but I'm still not ready for it. I consciously knew it was gonna happen, but like my body wasn't ready for it. Somebody was like, Hey, you know what'd be cool? An ear infection. And I was like, No. Nope. <laughs> not cool. So I was sick as a dog last week, and now it's Vince's turn. Uh, I was able to go a couple days ago to get diagnosed and then a prescription filled to help with that. So I went to an immediate care, saw a doctor. The doctor was like, yep, you had an infection. I was like, cool. Then I went and got the prescription filled at a Walgreens. So that all sounds very standard and normal. But at both places, they were like, your insurance isn't right, and it's going to take some time. And I was like, cool. Uh, so that, And then like, my ear was in pain because it was infected. And the guy, the doctor guy, that fucking guy, he like <laughs> had a little water gun that he wanted to squirt in my ear. And oh. so he like, they have like a, it's like a, they call it like irrigating the ear. Um, and it's like a hydrogen peroxide water solution. And he just shoved that shit right in my ear and then started spraying around. And before he did that, he was like, yeah, I think I can see that it's like red and like looks pretty infected. And then he did that. And I was like, dude, <laughs> if you know it's infected, <laughs> like just give me my prescription for antibiotics. Let me leave. He was like, yeah, I just want to see like it flush anything out, you know, just oh, so I could think? see it better. And I was like, you could see it well. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. So that was really painful. So the, they like made me wait like 15 minutes to on my insurance. Then they squirted me in the ear. Then I had to drive like back toward my house and wait at Walgreens for like 20 minutes for that for my insurance to clear. And I like my medical card, and they were like, "You need your prescription card." And I was like, "I don't have a prescription card." So That's what? I don't know. It was all very confusing. So then, eventually, you know, after like an hour and a half, I had this prescription, and then the pharmacy tech like has to explain like if it's a new prescription they have to explain to you how to take it it's like well, they're supposed to yeah but that never happens for me oh my pharmacy tech was all over that shit so she's like and okay so it was an antibiotic for an ear infection so you just you have six pills like it's not like you can fucking die or anything <laughs> and they're like antibiotics so she's like okay so you just need to take two pills on day one and then one pill after that each day for the next four days and then you'll be good and i was like okay and i was like signing something and then so i don't think she heard me say okay so she's like is is that all right do you have any questions about that and i looked up and i was like no you just said take them all at the same time right <laughs> and i like didn't laugh and i didn't smile and then she was just looking at me like what <laughs> So that was my. Uh, I was wish my I could do things like that, but I cannot. Yeah. I start laughing before I even get it all out. I was so annoyed that like I didn't want to laugh. So like even though I was cracking a joke, it was through frustration. So that's what helps. If you just get really really angry and then say something that would otherwise be a joke, you can keep a straight face. Well, I didn't have real insurance until this week. So when I first got sick, mm. and I was calling different places to see if I can come in, they were like. Yeah, we don't take that insurance. So I had to leave fucking Chicago just to get myself checked out. And they did check my ear first. And I was like, please be an ear infection so we can get this over with. And it wasn't one. So still working on that. 
But I just got my insurance back from my job, even though I keep saying I'm unemployed. But um, <laughs> shout out to anyone with insurance because it's basically magical. It is a magical ticket to health. Like I have an eye doctor appointment, a dentist appointment, a physical and something else set up this coming week and I'm pretty excited about it like as a kid I hated going to the doctor but now I'm so excited that I have this at my fingertips and I'm only going to pay $15 for the doctor the dentist is free the eyes are free and I get $175 for contacts so I'm pretty hyped what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) all right not only are you employed you have a job <laughs> with comparatively good benefits. <laughs> I'm unemployed, man. Anyway, all right. Anyway, my recommendation is a kind of recommendation. Like, I read this book, or I, I listened to this book, and I've engaged in this book, kind of, because it's like one of those books where you have to think critically about it no thank you yeah uh (laughs) not on my commute (laughs) yeah so like i don't really like reading fiction books i don't know why but like i can never really like get into them you have no imagination okay maybe that's it i don't know but so usually i like nonfiction books but i still like like a story you know so like that's why i like ethnography so much because they're nonfiction, but they're you know people's stories but this book is not that. Uh, so that may be part of why it's, it's a little bit of a dry thing. But <laughs> it's still kind of thought-provoking. So oh. I did kind of enjoy it. But I feel like you just have to be in a very, like... like you can't just read this for pleasure. Like, you have to engage it like it's something that you're reading and, like, trying to pick apart, you know? Okay, what I- what is it? What's it about? <laughs> so it's called... The Coddling of the American Mind, How Good Intentions and Bad Ideas Are Setting Up a Generation for Failure. Oh. Okay, so they have, like, multiple theses in this book and then multiple propositions for making it better. But the main overarching thesis is that the generation after us, uh, so not millennials, but what they called, I don't know who else calls them this because it's the first time I've heard it, but the iGen, like iPhone, but iGen. Ooh. I kind of like it, but I've never heard that before. I really like it. So that's like... I want to be a part of that. Right. Well, apparently you don't, according to this book. (laughs) But it's like the one guy... Oh, okay. And the other reason why I'm recommending it to you specifically is because one of the authors is a college professor who like noticed this trend on college campuses about like students behavior demeanor thought process and stuff like that and he's a psychology professor at this school and he uh practices cbt Hmm. uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and what he thought he was observing and what he explained to the other author of what he thought he was observing was like cognitive distortions but like group or like like uh, yeah, group cognitive distortions where like all the students were displaying the same cognitive distortions. And so he like kind of detailed that out and they like continued to like kind of study it, not like formally, but they continued to talk about it and, and that kind of thing. So they came up with this idea that like a lot of variables from like childhood to 
broader society like left this generation with sort of these cognitive distortions where like it's not like they're mentally ill or anything like that but that they just like have a significantly different worldview that's a little bit distorted so it's an interesting it's an interesting thing do you have an example so they said that uh, the stuff that went on in american society from like 2008 to 2016 have been i don't know what they're saying is like it pretty much opened the door for this era of like social justice warrioring correct i believe that yeah so they didn't like i guess what i feel like they left out of the book is like because a bunch of bad shit happened <laughs> kind of <laughs> like like they were like this is an objectively like bad time kind of but also the way that like specifically college age students so this i gen has engaged in the bad shit that's happened has like left them like wanting to kick out people from their campuses from speaking and like uh demanding that like professors who send emails that have like words in them that are offensive and not like racial slurs and stuff like that but like if uh if an email from a professor is like misconstrued by a student that student can like rally their peers to have like to demand the professor be fired and that's just like not something that you saw in any previous generation and so they had like examples of these emails where like i don't know the person like took a word and said that it was like offensive and and like a violent attack on their personhood but like they weren't again like racial slurs or like they weren't in themselves like derogatory terms. It was like, you have to read it that way kind of. Mm. And so they were saying like that, or the, the one guy that's like a CBT studier said that like, that's something that it seems like is very pervasive. And like this I gen is that they read a lot of things and assume that words can be violent. And if words can be violent, then you can like protest them violently. So they're like, Wow. It, it kind of started out with, like, the campus uh, protests about, like, Miley Yiannopoulos and other, like, far-right speakers. Like, the UC Berkeley protests that became violent mm. and those kind of things. And so, like, partially because of that and partially because of the one of the authors is who narrates it. And, again, like, the the narration is, like, big for me. Like, I was, like, the one leading around me is Sarah Huckabee Sanders. This guy, like, reminded me of, like, some libertarian guy who like has his own fucking youtube channel <laughs> and like got picked up by prager university and like now has facebook videos like it's like it reads kind of like that but because of like their engagement with like um cbt and talking about also just like a lot of different like variables and the way that they like, constructed the book it does make you like think about some stuff um just in terms of like like the culture of fear that the media like has produced which like i think that that's a real thing um, like so they were talking about like from 1980s on like how the 1980s created like this huge fear firestorm of uh abduction and how like that's when like the uh the face on the milk carton mm -hmm. that was like the case that put people's faces on milk cartons that's when that first happened was like in 1984 or something in new york i and used to know the name of the person that started it yeah uh, i don't at the and moment. so they talked about that story and like how like so it's not just like they're not just like iGen is like bad, but also like the parents of iGen are like overprotecting them a lot, coddling them a lot, and they're talking about like why that kind of stuff happened. So what was happening in like the 1980s that like the parents of Gen or iGen children would would be like more overprotective and more helicoptering. So they also talked about like how like college admissions is crazy and how like 
there's no like unstructured play anymore and now it's all about like prepping them for a thing it's a fucking really long book they have a lot of theses <laughs> they have a lot of solutions it is you know not what's one you can crazy? just read lightly is when you started talking about this book, I was like, uh, when I play this back, I'm definitely going to hit skip 15 seconds because right. I could care less. And then the more you talked about it, I was like, you know what? That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So maybe right. I will listen to select passages on Audible. <laughs> right. But I yeah. probably won't get through the whole thing. Yeah. The other reason why... I had to like critically think about it, and I couldn't just be like, "Yeah, yeah." Like there was no, there was no points where I was like, "Yeah, that that's totally hidden for me," because <laughs> they never like, and they kind of acknowledge that they don't do this, but they never really like dissect it intersectionally. So like the most they go into that is like social class. So they say like, no. "Oh yeah, like um, children's like development and like how they're helicopter parented or not helicopter." <laughs> <laughs> I know this is getting a phone call and <laughs> the picture that is saved for this person is fucked up. Who is that? So uh, my friend Ed. Who's the chick? Uh, it's Ed. What does Ed stand for? Um, no, it's uh, one time we were talking about, well, she was talking about how she loves the Lion King and she said like that she tried to tell me and Brennan that if we were Lion King characters, we would be Timon and Pumbaa. She was like just trying to say that we were like dumb. I don't really know what we were there she was trying to say. But then my friend Brennan was like, yeah, Alicia, but if you were a character from Lion King, you would be Ed, which is the hyena that like doesn't have any lines. He just like. That's a great comeback. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Ed. Anyway. So, but like, so an example is that, uh, like, they talk about how you can see in like the data how social class impacts how much children are like helicopter parented in this generation. So, like, how much free play they have, how much time they spend like in unstructured play, how much time is spent like with a parent or adult supervision, like all this stuff, and how like uh, people who are, have like a middle class or above socioeconomic status, like have significantly more structured time and more supervision than people in lower than middle class status. That's about it in terms of how they try to like break down the data intersectionally. And I feel like, or I would be surprised if there was no differences in that in terms of the outcomes that they're talking about of being coddled and not being able to like, like they're talking about not being able to like engage other thought, uh, like, like there was, they threw out like diversity of thought, which is like a super, far right thing in this day and age where like <laughs> diversity of thought is like supposed to be the antithesis of like diversity so people say oh we don't need more diversity we need more thought diversity that's mm, like a stupid so i was scared it was going there and they didn't go there but i feel like they didn't talk about and they could have talked about how like just because if it seems like this generation doesn't want to hear from people uh who whose views don't line up with theirs uh, they didn't talk about the fact that, like, people not in the dominant or majority culture have to do that every fucking day. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I don't know whose kids they're talking about, but kind you of know whose kids about they're kids. talking about. <laughs> yeah. it, everything is based off white kids. Yeah. White so. people. Yeah. Unless, except for this movement of all the new African-American and other minorities who are in these professional 
physicians that are literally choosing to do studies and research on their own people. Right. Other so. than that, it's white kids. Right. So. Again, thought-provoking. Definitely some problems with it. But if you've got like 30 hours to dedicate <laughs> to listening to this book and then thinking about it a lot. If you have unlimited time to check out these theses and some shit. Is it yeah. theses? Theses. Theses. It's theses. Is it? Yeah. Like, the- okay, never mind. This is connected, but not really. Just okay, hearing cool. I generation mm-hmm. made me think of something that I recently saw where millennials were finally not being targeted about ruining something. Nice. And millennials are now credited for the decline in divorce rates because they're waiting longer to get married. Ah, I saw that, but my oh, immediate no. thought was that the next headline will be how millennials are killing divorce attorney practices. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Um, or the how millennials are killing the divorce attorney industry. She called me because they uh, saw Giannis Antetokounmpo. Oh, okay. They saw a basketball player. This is one of those oh, cases again. Okay. Yeah, okay. so my friends recently moved to Milwaukee, and I, I was trying to tell them that we should go to a basketball game because I'm assuming Bucks tickets are cheaper than Bulls tickets. Uh, and then uh, I think she called, and then I got a Snapchat video, cause they, and they snapped me and said that they saw Giannis Antetokounmpo, who plays for the Milwaukee Bucks. Can you say that for me, please? I'm not even going to try, and I'm really upset that you're saying it <laughs> with okay. such ease. Well, they saw an NBA player out at like a movie theater or something like that. She was probably calling me, actually, to see if I would pronounce his name so that they could shout his name, because they've been asking me that every time they see me. Yeah, I would have went to Google and pressed a little microphone thing so Google could say it back. I don't think that would help very much. I highly doubt it with, <laughs> with his name. It's a mouthful. Yeah. It's funny listening to commentators try to pronounce it because they they did like a a reel of every different commentator from like all the different cities trying to pronounce it and it's just bad. <laughs> I, I would be in that list. Uh, I need to return to. Okay, are you pausing? I thought you were gonna go off. Oh, do no. something. Okay. I need to return to a topic from last week for a second because I was supposed to bring up a very hot topic of debate. Okay. In my life, in my personal <laughs> life. Um, so that cookout that I mentioned that I went to, where the, all the crackers were assembled. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that one. Yeah. Uh, so I have a story leading up to this cookout that I need your I need you to weigh in on. Okay. Okay. So my girlfriend came over to my house because then we were gonna leave from my house to go to her family's cookout, right? And then we're getting ready in the morning, and I like threw on. I have like an uh, an Italian national team soccer jersey, um, and so I put that on. And then like I was looking at myself in the mirror, you know, being like, "All right, let me see how this looks." And my girlfriend was like, "I like that shirt. Where'd you get it?" And I was like, "Oh, like I bought it off one of my friends like during the World Cup." Um, and she was like, "Oh, I really like it." And I was like, "Oh, thanks." And then like I went back in my room, I was like getting ready, and then she's like, "So what are you wearing today?" I was like, <laughs> this. Like I'm wearing this shirt that I have on that I already got your approval for. I thought, I thought that's what just happened in the bathroom. And then she was like, mm, 
maybe wear something different. And I was like, mm, what? <laughs> She's like, I don't know. I feel like you just have like other shirts that you could wear. And I was like, hmm. So I was like, and then she was trying to be nice. And she was like, like maybe something not so casual. So then I was like ready to fight this day. So then I went over and walked to my closet and I grabbed like my hanger of neckties. And oh, I was like, okay. all right, what do you want me to wear? <laughs> but beyond like, you know, just our dynamics of communicating, uh, the question was, would you be mad if Leon tried to wear a sports jersey to a family cookout? No. Right. I would expect him to have on some basketball shorts, uh, maybe a t-shirt. Probably be a polo. It'd probably be all fucking black, because that's Leon. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm building up my character witnesses on my side. Like, <laughs> I'm getting some, getting some good vibes, you know, about my... But you know, thing. not to be racial. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that's usually followed by. <laughs> some racial shit. Right. So, I feel like I might dress up to go to a white barbecue. Yeah, so just because, like, I am not unfamiliar with her family. Like, if, if this was, like, my first time meeting all of her family, I'd have been like, yeah, maybe I should dress a little bit nicer for this cookout because, like, I don't know them. But, like, I've met all of them. So I was like, be like, we good. Like, I don't <laughs> need to, like, create a good first impression for anybody except for Mr. Cracker. <laughs> and he was wearing a T-shirt. <coughs> And then we asked, like, her sister and her cousins, um, and they were like, nah, he wouldn't have looked out of place, like, in my soccer jersey. So I was like, fuck yeah. That should be definitive proof right there that I'd been fine. And that I'm only going to wear sports jerseys to every other cookout now. I mean, you really should. Like, yeah. You're supposed to be comfortable. <laughs> right. I don't I like I'm going that. to a damn job interview trying to eat a hot dog. That's exactly what I said. She was like, maybe like one of your button-up shirts. And I was like, well, I have to wear those like every day for work now. So I would rather wear something I don't get to wear like when I'm being business professional. I didn't win that argument, obviously. Yeah, you never do. (laughs) But, yeah. And then the other part of it that is funny, but that Rebecca hates that I add in as a footnote, is that I was like, what did you think I had this shirt on for? Like, clearly I'm getting ready for us to go to this cookout. We're not doing anything else before that. And she was like, I don't know. I thought you were just wearing it to, like, shave. What? <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> so you also want me to shave? <laughs> right. No, no, no. I, I had said that I was going to shave. Oh. <laughs> so that didn't come out of nowhere. But it was, like, the idea that I needed to, like. passive aggressive. <laughs> right. No, it was, like, the idea that, like, this soccer jersey was, not only was it not appropriate for a cookout, it was only appropriate for me to be shaving in it and get, like, shaving cream and fucking little hairs on it. <laughs> Why did she compliment it? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> She's going to be really mad that you didn't take her side, too. Well, you know, she doesn't listen to the podcast, so how would she know? That's only slightly true because she listened to last week's episode and was like, you didn't bring this up. We were going to, you said you were going to talk about it on the podcast <laughs> and you're going to see what Sharice's opinion was. was like, After oh, eight months. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> well, the cookout was between the time of our, of our very, very last episode and we are starting to re-record. But, yeah. So that's not really a poll, I suppose. No, Made it but sound like it was going to be a poll, but. Okay. 
Time for the CTA Chronicles. So this isn't necessarily a story, but I used to have this thing where I would feel very self-conscious after I've sat down next to someone and even if I didn't want to be next to them anymore, like say they smelled or they were making weird movements <laughs> next to me, I would really want to get up, but I felt bad switching seats because I felt like they knew that they would think that I was judging them. It's not that I'm judging you, it's just now I'm uncomfortable because you're doing weird stuff next to me. So no matter what would happen, I wouldn't change seats. I would just hope that either I or they would be getting off the bus soon. Now, that changed, if you all recall, an older story that Vince and I told about something that happened on the bus with a guy who basically gave the whole bus TV. <laughs> That's what it felt like with him, like, hacking and coughing, and he had these, like, witch nails. It's some episodes back. Go look for it. But that's when I was finally like, okay, I, I can't sit here. I don't even think he's in the right mind to even think that I'm judging him, so I'm just going to move. Today was one of those instances. <laughs> so I had my headphones in, per usual, and I was in my zone. Get on the bus, and I sit down, and I pause the song because I'm like, I don't want to listen to this anymore. I want to listen to something else that's like going to relax me and get me motivated to go to a job that I don't want to go to. So then I noticed, okay, let me just set up the scene in the bus. Cause sometimes the seats are facing in different directions depending on, I guess, whatever route you're taking. So this is one of the buses where all the seats face forward, except for two in the front face each other. And those are typically for the out. Yeah. Those are typically Sorry. the handicapped seats, right? So you pull the little lever and it lifts up for when someone who's getting in with a wheelchair or a stroller, whatever, so that they can, like, park themselves there. So I'm sitting in this seat right next to the handicapped seat. So where I'm facing forward, the person who's – I'm not facing – okay. I'm facing forward. There's someone sitting to the right of me. And then the person sitting in front of them is facing diagonal to us. Is that right? No. They're facing... Perpendicular. <laughs> They're facing perpendicular to us. I said diagonal. <laughs> Where the hell are they sitting at? They're facing perpendicular to us. So I don't understand how those two people weren't touching. I don't know. It was weird. But anyway, I paused the song. So you were like trapped because like their knees were almost touching, and you were like on the inside of that. Like you were no, in the I seat? wasn't. I was on the outside of that. So uh, I don't okay. understand why I was having so many issues in this seat. <laughs> okay. But I'm sitting there, and I pause the song because I want to listen to something else. The person sitting to the right of me is a man. The woman who's perpendicular to me. Well, I just said she's a woman, <laughs> so clearly she's a lady. Um, they're both older. I don't think they know each other. But when I pause the song, I noticed that she's laughing hysterically. And I was like, <laughs> first I was mad at myself. Like, was my music really this loud that I didn't notice this weird stuff happening? I didn't notice that all the seats were taken except for this one. Like, nobody chose to sit here. They chose to stand. Like, none of this was connecting because I was just so into my music. 
And I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of weird. So I just leave the song on pause, and then I notice, okay, she's having a conversation with someone who I don't know. No one's looking at her or responding, but she's talking back and forth. So clearly somebody was there for her to talk to. And then that's when I noticed that the guy next to me is also doing some weird jerky movements. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to stand. <laughs> I have vertigo and motion sickness, but, you know, I'll stand. Because of what happened? I can't, I mean, I can't talk out what he did. Like, I can only act it out. So they can't see it. Act it out, and then I'll describe it as best I can. Okay, so he's, like, beating his chest, but it's kind (laughs) of (laughs) like... Okay. Good start. Good starting point. Just ease it right into it. <laughs> it's it's um let's see, it's with his arm is close to me, so it's with his left hand. And he's like beating his chest, and it kind of reminds me of something I've seen in a movie, but it's not dawning on me right now. And then I'm like, okay, well, not too bad. Actually, that's not even the end of the story. Now that I think about it, because okay, I I believe I've talked about this man before who's in this wheelchair, right? And he's always jerking around. He has a very raspy voice. If you ever ride the 20, you will see this man, okay? I think he rides it for, like, west all the way east and back. Like, he rides the full length, I'm assuming, because no matter where I get on, I will see this man. So after I get up, we go a few more stops, and the bus driver's, like, wheelchair coming on. And it's him. So now there's three people in the front of this bus. (laughs) One is laughing at herself. One is punching himself. And the third guy's cussing everyone out. But you can't really understand anything that he says except for the cuss words. And he also does a lot of swinging, jerking movements. So you can't be that close to him because he will hit you. (laughs) But that that was my commute today. It was... Has been pretty quiet on the CTA, but that one, that was my commute today. And I could have did without. Let me be a lesson. Always be aware of your surroundings. Pause your music, your book, whatever you're listening to when you get on the bus. And make good judgments. Because if you don't, you end up without a seat or next to somebody you shouldn't be next to. See for me, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just going to happen. Like, I, I don't choose to sit in the seats with the people who are doing that. They choose to sit in the seats next to me. <laughs> I'm doing the choosing, and I don't know what I was... I don't know what I was doing today. <laughs> so you do the choosing, and you choose to sit next to the people who do this? I mean... I chose the seat, but I didn't make a choice rationally. Like, all of the pieces weren't there for me to make an in- informed decision. Well, I guess they were. It's just that I was distracted. So, uh, America is a dumpster fire? It's a what? A dumpster fire. What's that? Like, where you set a dumpster on fire? Like uh-huh. all the trash. 
Yeah, so, like, essentially, if everything is on fire, uh, but, like, the only thing that's on fire is literal garbage, <laughs> that's, like, how I describe the state of the country right now. Okay, please explain. I'm only referring to uh, the last couple days of news surrounding the uh, Kavanaugh confirmation hearing. Ah. Uh-huh. Uh, when I say it's a dumpster fire, I guess I can only say that if I add that, like, the rest of American history is a dumpster fire. Because it's really not that much different than what's already been happening in in the context of things. Because it's like a bunch of white guys nominated another fucking white guy for the open seat, and they all don't care about anybody but white people, well, white men specifically. That sounds about right. Right. <laughs> so, but uh, this one has been particularly uh, troubling, I suppose, just because of like the allegations against him and then the public fucking trial, it seemed like. Not really a trial, but the public testimonies from him and uh, his accuser. Um, and I watched those, and that was sad. And also angering. And again, it had that uh that thread for me to pull at where uh she's a professional research psychologist and was able to explain to the panel while under oath uh you know, right before she had to explain the traumatic event that happened to her, uh the exact processes by which memory is encoded into the brain. And why, like, uh, significantly emotional memories can be uh, imprinted on the brain and can last a long time, and they can be so vivid uh, compared to other memories or compared to other people's memory of the same event. And still, they didn't believe her to be credible and all that. What's interesting to me, though, (coughs) or what I just realized today, is that it wasn't a trial. So this whole time I thought that they were literally like going to court and this man was about to see his day and I don't know. Was, I thought it was another whole Bill Cosby case. Yeah, nah. So that's what was, uh, well, was one of the frustrating things is that all the Republican senators who used their time to speak today were like, well, the burden of proof was was not reached, and if we were in court, you know, the way that they would judge this is by due process and due process and fucking due process. Like a lot of people <laughs> said, due process today, and it's like, yo, this was not a court case. This was not a criminal I mean, proceeding. I thought it was until <laughs> I really looked at it. I'm like, oh, they weren't in court. All right. So, but yeah. You, so you didn't see his uh his testimony at all no ha his oh uh, god as frustrating as like it was to hear all the old white senators speak to the uh alleged victim the woman who spoke from that was professional research psychologist uh dr ford um it was frustrating because they were just like victim blaming uh trying to poke holes in her story hired a professional prosecutor uh, from Arizona to come and fucking try to poke holes in her story and all that. 
as frustrating as that was, uh, it was like almost funny watching the dude testify. Hmm. Uh, the dude being uh, Kavanaugh, because he, he, his his alibi is he starts nearly crying, right, and then through like tears and near sobbing. He was like angry and indignant, like only white men can be. <laughs> Man, they're so good at it. And then he's like, uh, he's like, you should believe me because even though I did hang out with the people that she's saying were at this gathering, I didn't hang out with her. And although she's saying that I was drunk because I had had a bunch of beer. You know, I do like beer. I did like <laughs> beer. I still like beer. And I like beer. But I don't think that's a crime. <laughs> he was like, if every American who likes to drink beer or liked to drink beer in high school suddenly is under fire for being assaulters, then that's not a country I want to live in. Go oh, bye. Wipes tears again. And then he was like, uh, he, oh, the other thing was that besides the I like beer thing was um, that the reason or the, the evidence that he provided the uh, Senate committee are. So he was like, this is 37 years ago. Like, I don't understand why this is being brought up now. This is clearly a hack job. Like no one remembers what happened 37 years ago. And he's like, I would also like to submit for evidence. My calendars from when I was 17 years old. Don't nobody have that 37 years ago. Um, I keep a calendar kind of like a diary, so it's very, very detailed, and I would not miss anything that went on that day, including but not limited to a gathering of friends in which we drank beer. My dad kept calendars like this, and that's how I keep calendars. So would he write, oh, I assaulted Jane Doe today Apparently, on his calendar? So... I guess, like, during the time frame that she says it happened, because she knows how old she was and how old he was and, like, um, what town it happened in, what high school they were going to at the time, or they were each going to at the time and all that. She doesn't remember, like, the exact day. So he was like, well... Or no, 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 I don't know. The senators pointed out that there was a day where he was, like, hanging out with the people that she listed who were at the gathering that where she said the assault happened at. And he was like, well... That doesn't mean that, like, <laughs> that happened. And Just because everyone was there and I like beer and I drank it doesn't mean I saw you. He was like, no, yeah, he literally said, like, if she was there, I would have wrote her down. Because if people were there that I was hanging out with and I didn't know they were going to be there, I would go back and write in my calendar that they were there. Because, no. because I keep my calendar like a diary, which is how my dad keeps his calendar, which is how I keep my calendar. It was Where did he come bonkers. up with that to even have to say? I don't know. Like, here's, you know what? I can say I wrote it in my calendar. Right. So everyone who randomly brought a plus one to your house, you're like, let me write that down. Yeah, I got it. There were plus ones at my birthday party last year, and I don't even know their names. Same. <laughs> uh, but yeah. And then oh, an- another humorous part in, like, the, like, ignorance is bliss type of humorous is that, um, I'm going to pause and look this up. In one of his emotion-laden tirades uh, of rage and tears, he uh, was talking about how 
he attended Yale Law School, uh, the best law school in the country. And he was like, and you know how I got there? Got there by busting my tail. <clears throat> That's it. That alone uh, allowed me to attend that school. And um, apparently, like, his dad uh, is an attorney and then – or has – is a retired attorney, and then he was also a lobbyist, and then his mother was an attorney, and then a judge, and he's like lived in the D.C. area his whole life, and he attended like Georgetown Prep High School, and then he attended Yale for his undergraduate for his Bachelor of Arts as well, and so I just found that very comical that he was like, mm-hmm, no one helped me, I didn't have any, didn't have any uh any help getting there, just but by busting isn't my it tail. Nuts? Isn't that nuts? Because, like, I'm sure he truly believes that. Yeah, yeah. Because that's how a lot of people feel. It's like you literally have everything lined up for you. Mm -hmm. You have people who are already in high positions that can make sure you get into places. But you did it on your own. Right. That's nuts to me. Yeah. Yeah, like, literally, like, you did it on your own. But your dad attended Georgetown University, which is how you got into your Georgetown prep preparatory for college (laughs) education. (laughs) Then you went to Yale during undergrad, and you don't understand how you could have like gotten it lined up for you to go to Yale Law School. You don't get how that is possible without you just working the hardest out of anybody. Nope. All on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, then they're uh, pushing for the, for the confirmation to go through. I don't know if it will have gone through by the time this episode is out. Probably so. Okay, so the Bill Cosby sentencing is pretty fresh as well. Um, He has been convicted and is said to get between three and ten years. Bill Cosby is currently 81 years old. I know where this is going. The good Lord promises you 70. So he's kind of up there in age. Now... If you recall some episodes back, me and Vince are going back and forth about Bill Cosby. Um, Should he be convicted? Will he be convicted? Um, What type of time should he serve if he was? And I was all in my feelings about Bill Cosby. And then, but I did admit that I did feel that he did commit those crimes. It was just to me, I was stuck on the fact of the statute of limitations and how all these things took place in the 70s. And I'm like, I don't understand how he can go to jail now. Like, what Like, what are you seeking? What's the motive now that this man is like near death? Now, because I'm so charged up and I have so many feelings about Bill Cosby, I'm not going to talk about Bill Cosby. What I actually want to talk about is Amber Rose. <laughs> Did you know I was going there? No, I thought I saw a uh, Twitter comparison that Cosby got sentenced um, for crimes that he committed decades ago at age 81, um, and that the uh, woman whose name I can't remember who accused Emmett Till uh, is also oh, 81 mm-hmm. years old, and um, they said that she should be <laughs> she should be tried, convicted, and sentenced. For uh, accessory to murder. I mean, she should. Right. <laughs> she should. Yeah. So that's when you said he was eighty-one. I thought you're. I thought you also read that, and then you're gonna you're gonna say that. No. <laughs> so there's been a lot of controversy and back and forth 
with what Amber Rose decided to say on the internet after Bill Cosby was given his sentence. This is what she said, and it's, I mean, if you haven't read it, heard it, this is what she said, and if you're feeling a certain type of way afterwards, we can talk about it. (laughs) She said, man, fuck the fact that he's old as fuck and the fact that he was on TV. He's a sexual predator, just like Trump and Harvey. I hope they get their day as well. So y'all are going to sit here and tell me that all these women are lying? F-O-H, which stands for fuck, fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> if Bill Cosby raped and drugged any of you women, men, that I've been seeing on the internet standing up for this rapist, all caps, or your mamas, you would be scared to say something too because... You would assume that no one would believe you. Shit. I would actually be scared to say something because his entire life he has been put in such a positive light. That's why he got away with it for so long. We should be praising the woman for showing us exactly who he is. I hope he doesn't die in jail. I hope he gets his full 10 years and then dies the day he gets out. Justice is finally served. (laughs) Shame the rapist, not the survivor. Bye. What do you think? <laughs> that was uh, that was powerful. I'm sure I didn't say it the way she was typing it. Right. But uh, yes, except that I am hung up on the fact that in this whole thing, the first person who actually sees any real time is the first uh black male celebrity. Okay. So that's a lot with it, too. So a lot of people in the black community were targeting Amber Rose and saying, you can't have an opinion. I mean, everyone's inside of an opinion, but they're like, you can't have an opinion when all you've ever done is wear T-shirts, saying ho and slut and have slut walks and talking about how it's just okay to be a hoe. Like, that's your profession, being a hoe. That's why you're famous, this, that, and the third. And they're like, you're not black. You're not a part of the black community. You don't understand what he represents to us to have so much to say. But it wasn't even just that that they were mad about. They were mad that she basically wished death on him Mm -hmm. because she was like, Whoa, I hope he dies the day he gets out. <laughs> I mean, he'd be 91. But for her to have all this conviction. Is she also, is she not black? Pretty sure she's just a white girl. Huh. Oh, that's a lie. Huh. Technically, her mother is Cape Verdean. She's biracial? Her mother was biracial, so her mother was part black, part Scottish. She's passing as white. I don't know. I don't know about that one. Yeah. That makes me think of, like, all the stuff that's been happening with Kanye and other various black artists who uh, think that they have uh, big ideas outside of the narrow, as they term it, black community or like black uh, group thought, and how like I feel like um, there's like I there's like Kanye and like a couple other people that I can't think of right now that like talk about <laughs> how like they 
they're they're real free thinkers and like if you don't if you don't fall in line with what the black community thinks then you're like kicked out of the black community and that kind of thing i think you have to be a certain tax bracket to be a free thinker i'm not in the tax bracket to be a free thinker say more about that all of my thoughts are about working (laughs) getting a check so i can pay my bills right and then doing it all again right so i don't have the free time to freely think about some fucked up shit that don't make no sense to nobody but me right that's that's fair so that's what i mean by that right so you mean that if all your financial needs were met you would start and exceeded and exceeded you start saying some fuck shit like Kanye I would probably have some weird ass <laughs> thoughts because I would just be like somewhere in Bora Bora looking out at the ocean and thinking, well, I would never think slavery was a choice, so <laughs> let me not even go there. But right. I would probably have some very out of the blue <laughs> thoughts. Yeah, I, I feel like it's funny with Kanye because like he acknowledges his opioid addiction but like still thinks that it's not possible that his like thoughts have been influenced by that oh of course not (laughs) yeah because like drugs don't have like lasting effects on your brain in any way so there's no chance that like not at all he could just be saying some fucked up shit (laughs) so sorry for the roller coaster of emotion but that is all we have time for today this has been another episode of for your mental health i'm sharice I'm Vince. And we'll catch you next week. Peace.